Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. The chase of Ten Golden. There's leaves flying through the air. The nights are getting a little bit colder. And we prepare for the winter that's coming. What do you reckon? How's that sound? I think that's good. You know, like it? And the leaves, they, I say they're gathering in the gutters. Oh, there's a metaphor. Yeah. Gathering in the gutters. So you've got to get your broom out, or if you've got one of those bloody loud leaf blowers. Oh, yeah, that's the thing. The sound of the suburbs the is The sound made. of the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember the days? Uh, oh, good afternoon, everybody. Hello. You're listening to 3 Triple R. This is uh, Eated. My name is Cam Smith. Cross me, I have. I am, I am Matt Stedman. And thanks also to Shane and the merry band of scientists that you've just heard on Triple R. A merry band. Yeah. Always merry. Wearing their jerkins <laughs> and frolicking. Yes. <laughs> Some were playing lutes <laughs> in the thing. Yes. Um yeah, but um, do you remember there, there used hmm. to be a time where everybody just happily burnt leaves? The old incinerator. Everybody, the family used to gather around the incinerator. <laughs> they don't seem to have them anymore, which is probably not a bad thing. It's big sort of besser brick yeah. things that you'd shove yes. everything and they just burn it. Well, this is before we discovered or rediscovered, because nothing's new mm. under this, this planet, composting. Yes. Before you and the <laughs> benefits that can bring, rather than just burning something. What do you do with worms? Oh, he'd burn them. <laughs> Death to worms. Anyway, um, we hopefully uh, we evolve. Are we evolving? I think we are. I, I was going to say we've had a, just a, a little tiny retaste of summer in the last twenty four hours. Yesterday was is warm. Yeah. It was shorts weather yesterday. It, it makes autumn more poignant. Yes. Pause for poignancy. Pause for poignancy. <laughs> dot com. Hey, you're listening to the food show here on Triple R. What's you on the show indeed. today? Can oh, you? you want to do that? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, I'm happy to say that there is uh, events coming up. Uh, yes. Good Beer Week is uh, about to come upon us. Yes. Where we celebrate all things that have been, well, not all things, but the beer that has been fermented and yes. has evolved over the last decade and a half, Yep, as we have, as we've, uh, we've moved from the uh, industrialised beers. Yes. Beers made in giant edifices. You mentioned a few weeks ago, so the, the waves of beer consumption in Australia. For years, we just had the local big brew. You had the VBs and the Melbourne bitters. And, the, and then Tui's came down from New South Wales. That's right. To and try then, and shake things up. And then in the 90s, you had the international wave of all the Stellas and the Heinekens yeah, coming in. and Beers of the world. Yes. Go to a friend's place. We're going to have beers of the world. And then in the noughties and, and increasingly now in the in the... Twenties? I haven't said that before. No, um, no. The the increasing growth of craft beer, and you go even into the big bulk liquor stores now, and you go to the beer section. There's tinnies as far as the eye can see. Yes, and then we also have that whole notion, the new thing of craft washing too. Yes, where the big giant edifices are hiding behind a hipstery label to pretend that they have. Cred. Which they've been doing with wine for quite some time. So if you go into one of yeah, those big bulk, bulk wine outlets, I think it's yeah. over half of the wines you can buy in there actually owned by the, the supermarket biggins. brand. Yes. Yeah, so same with beer. It's, um, yeah, craft washing. 
Craft washing, indeed. Mm. So, yes, we're going to be... Um, Luke is... Uh, we've got a guest. This, and this is... Just indulge us for a second, dear listener, that us here on Triple R actually have a guest coming back guess? into the studio. He's sitting in the green room. We haven't had that for over a year. So it's very exciting. I offered him a water. I said, you want a water? <laughs> we got papers. You can read the paper. Yeah. Look at the sofa. It's pretty comfy, isn't it? And he's, yeah, he's looking good. He's waving. Yes. He's, he's happy. Uh, unfortunately, not in the green room because mm. we wouldn't be allowed to do it anyway, Matt. No. Just one per hour. Just easy. <laughs> easy, Tiger. They said to us. That's what uh, Dave Hutchin, our... Uh, our fearless leader said to us, he didn't actually say the Easy Tiger because he's cooler than that. Yep. Um, but um, we do have uh, Pam Mawson. Yes. Talking to us from Warrigal. Yes, and now she is from... The CWA. Yes. The Country Women's Association. Famous for generations of baked goods mm. and lots of other things. And support of others. Uh, yes. Much more than just uh, making scones. Absolutely. Uh, so they uh, have uh, brought out a rather uh, lovely book, evocatively titled. Are you ready for this? Go. From Our Kitchen to Yours. Nice. Yeah? Mm. That's got legs. Yep. Good for Mother's Day. Yeah, oh, that's coming up, isn't it? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, we're going to be um, speaking to Pam. Uh, but before we do, there are things afoot. Um, something is afoot in France, and it's chilly. Oh, yes, let me get my news article. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, yes, Dateline, France, the vineyards. The vineyards have been affected by muchos frost. We've been um, talking... That's Spanish, sorry. Forget <laughs> I said that. Yes, but an agricultural cataclysm is uh, happening in French agriculture as we speak. As we speak. We've been talking about the effects of climate change on Australian agriculture and specifically winemaking for many years now. And, Indeed. and we've seen, I guess, the change of focus of specific styles of grapes in different regions, mm-hmm. um, which in Australia is a, is, it's a mixed story. It's not necessarily a bad news story. Nope. Um, could it's- be a good news story if you're a Tasmanian grape grower and you now have because of slightly warmer days, you have different varieties that may be available to you. And you're going to become the powerhouse for growing um, uh, sparkling wines, for yes. instance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in France, uh, they've had a pretty torrid time. So uh, they have they suffered what's called, I think, an early spring, where uh, warm weather hit a little earlier than usual. And so all the vines, they go, oh, this is great. Awesome. This is, as the Aussies would say, the sucked in a mile spring. Well, yeah, they started to <laughs> bear fruit, bud burst. Yes. And then on the night of April 7, yes. uh, they had a freeze with That's... temperatures as low as minus 7. I think we might have reported on that on the show when that was happening. Which um, was just catastrophic for not just the grapevines, but lots of agriculture in general. And so they to try and... So, this, that's, uh, just the, so that's three weeks ago. So yep. they got hit... So really hard then yep and now and now the the weather has still been so variable that for those who still have grapes that are alive they're trying to keep them warm and they're doing things like hiring helicopters to push warm air just to hover over a vineyard for hours on end and and I think I might have mentioned that that would be the your uh well, more cashed-up vineyards yes. that can afford that. helicopters so, don't come cheap. So I was talking about, you know, maybe the Premier Grand Cru. Like, you know, the, anyway. It, it, the, so those that can afford it are taking the actions of hiring helicopters yes. to move the air away because frost settles. It settles, yes. Go and ahead. the other um, 
the other action that can be taken. Actually, it's bizarrely beautiful if you see photos of it, but they're lighting a lot of candles and contained fires throughout the vineyards to keep the grapes warm. So on first glance, it would look festive, but uh, on deeper inspection, it's just it trying is, to survive. It is desperate, and it's the livelihood of, of all of these these. Uh, viticulturists in these great wine regions, and, and, and as you said on the way in camp, it's not just grapes; it's all agriculture in some areas of France has been severely hit. Yes, um, so yeah, nut trees um, have been um, affected. Yes, um, because the the I think the, yeah the flowers have just just snapped off and died. Yeah, and so yeah, the, the approaches that have worked for for generations in historic growing areas like France may need to be rethought and they don't have much time to rethink because, you know, to keep a vine uh, alive through this is going to be an increasing challenge. So um, changing times as we've been talking about a long time on the show. And you also think about some of those vines would be very, very old, my God. Anyway, uh, did you – and you had something else you wanted to mention too. Oh, Melbourne, Deadline Melbourne, closer to home. Yes, uh, we've spoken about this at length too on the show, but all the little outdoor dining areas you've seen crop up in the last year yes, as a response initially to COVID. So they were firstly designed as temporary dining, outdoor dining spaces, were they not? Exactly. So mm. when restrictions uh, prevented indoor dining or certain numbers on indoor dining, of course, you look outside. And so a lot of restaurants tried to make up capacity outside. Um, the fate of these little parklets, as they're called, is going to be decided this week in, in councils to whether this scheme is made permanent. Um, and it would be, if it is, it would be a sort of a permit-based scheme yes. that restaurants can apply for in future years. I love them. Um, yes. And the, uh, the numbers are pretty good too. So in the news article here, it says every dollar spent on one of those outdoor dining spaces yields a benefit of about $2.60 to the economy. So Ooh, good, okay. good overall. And for the uh, individual restaurateurs, um, it says on average a CBD uh, restaurant has increased its revenue by over $2,000 a week but through having these outdoor dining spaces. Wow. Okay. So it's it's a good thing, um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if the council can find a way to make them permanent in an equitable way because, of course, other retailers don't like them because they take away car parks. Car parking spots, sort of yes. There's, uh, there's a, a plus and minuses. We'll be looking to uh, have a chat with Sally Cap at some stage. Yes. We've uh, put out the feelers to have a return to the airwaves. Yes. She was on just before Christmas, wasn't she? Yes. So, um, yeah, we look forward to talking to her about that. It- this is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. Pam Morrison, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Cam. How you doing? You got a cup of tea? Uh, not quite. <laughs> just a glass. Just a glass of water. Or um, maybe what yeah. have you got? Maybe you've got something a little bit stronger in a glass in front of you. Sun's uh, over the yard, arm. It's a bit early. <laughs> okay, easy, Cam. Yeah, easy, Tiger. All right, <clears throat> Pam. Um, thank you very, very much for joining us. Um, I have been a big fan of the CWA for, well, pretty much as long as I've been aware of their existence. Um, an organisation formed in 1928, 
and much more than just what we are going to talk about. It's more than just cooking scones, is it not? It is definitely more than that. We do, do such a lot out there in the community. How long have you been involved with um, the CWA, Pam? Um, me, personally, only 20 years. Only it's 20 quite a short, You're a new girl. Uh, yes, yeah, it's quite a short time mm, with yes. some of the girls. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I was asking about whether or not we might have run into each other on the uh, at the Royal Melbourne show because you guys have a huge outlet uh, there that does what can only be described as just heroic cooking. I mean, the amount of scones and teas and sangers and just people that you feed is extraordinary through that time, isn't it? It is extraordinary. We all do 14-hour days, and it's enormous. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, it's uh, it's a pretty hectic place to uh, to be in those kitchens at the at the Royal Melbourne Show. Yes, we have a queue steady all day. <laughs> And some pretty salty language, if I'm honest. <laughs> I haven't heard any of that. <laughs> oh, it depends who's working. There's a couple there that are, yeah, uh, yeah toe-curling, I tell you. Um, but uh, the reason we're having a, a bit of a chat is that uh, there is a new uh, uh, publication that has come out, uh, which is entitled From Our Kitchen to Yours. It certainly is, and it's a beautiful book which we um, had published for us this time. We usually publish our own books, but this is this is a much more professional-looking book. It's beautiful, lovely photos. Who's the publisher? Uh, Murdoch. And we should hasten to say, not that Murdoch. Murdoch, no. Murdoch books is a is a different Murdoch. thing. So they've given you the. Yeah. Uh, they are a good publisher, and they do beautiful things. So. Um, it's a handsome tome, and what was the motivation and what's in it? Um, well, it's our tried and true recipes, so uh, they've been taken from a lot of our books and they've picked out the, the ones I think will appear to most people. Mm. So not not too difficult and, and ones that you can achieve. I think that's, you know, most things are in your cupboard. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good start. Yes, not a not a lot, lot of two strange ingredients. Yeah, and um, so what have we got? Um, just looking at the table of contents. Obviously, at the front and centre are the biscuit cakes, uh, and uh, and then we've uh, isn't that funny? We're having dessert first, by the looks of it, isn't it? And then we go into the main courses. Oh, you do, I thought that's what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I rather like dessert. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. Well. And and this is and if you do, this is a um, a perfect book for you. You um, you did have a confession to make to me in the fact that uh, you're obviously a, a very accomplished cook, but one thing that tends to defeat you is uh, a sponge cake because. What, what what happens when you make a sponge there, Pam? I think I'm a little heavy-handed, and I knock all the air out. <laughs> you, you're not uh, doing that folding nicely. No, no. I, when I fold the flour in, I think out goes all the air again. But you know that we do have in this book on no fail sponge, which I have a sh- little story to tell. As you know, I I do judging at Rural Urban Show, and um, 
and I was asked to do some demonstrating with a friend, and she said, uh-huh. well, I'll bring the sponge. Yes. And how about you You bring a failed one? Everybody knows I don't make sponges. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right. Thanks for the I'll notoriety. Go I'll go back and do one. Yes. All right, so get out the true, true, tried recipe, no mm. fail sponge. I thought, well, well, here we go again. Not a flat pancake, but. It was beautiful. It came up. <laughs> but I couldn't take the flat sponge. I had to take one that looked not not too bad. <laughs> so it's sort of like Pam's revenge or anyway, vindication anyway. Say, ah, look at this. <laughs> oh, no, look at this. And, and what's, um, just I have to ask, what's the secret of this no-fail sponge? What makes it no-fail? Well, I, I see the... the the big secret to the no-fill sponge is that you have to keep beating the, the egg mixture yes. over and over. Yes. And when you think you've got it beaten, give it some more. Wow, yes. so you just go, it's the relentless mixing. Yes, it is. You could go away and leave it mixing and, and you'd have a terrific sponge. <laughs> wow, okay. So, um, so that's one thing that is in the book that... Uh, is all called from uh, our table to yours. I think one of the most important things about this book is the fact that it is tried, tested. I think there is only one other competitor as to uh, uh, being able to say that, yes, we've researched all these recipes, we've done them all as we could, and that was probably in the heyday of uh, ACP, which, of course, is Australian Consolidated Press, and I go back to the year of the Packers, and mm-hmm. they had a whole test kitchen for their Women's Weekly cookbooks. And that was the great thing about Women's Weekly because they were all tested. And I would put to you that the CWA books are the same because they've come from an enormous amount of being tried and tested. Yeah? Yes, they certainly have. Um, in fact, one of my books has got so many little post-it notes sticking out. They're all my favourite things to yes. turn to. Uh, and while we're doing that, maybe we could do the Julie Andrews and say, what are a few of your favourite things uh, in this book? Are there, are there any that uh, – have, have you got any post-it notes on this one yet? Uh, not, not – well, I have, actually. I've got one on Marie's lamb curry. Um, Marie is actually our state treasurer. Oh, I know her, yeah. And she has her lamb curry in here, and it is – a doozy. It's beautiful. Certainly coming up the winter weather, it's perfect. Yes. And of course... So, yes, I've got that one, that, that one done. And plum and rosemary lamb shanks. Uh, say that again. One. I just missed what were the, the preface was with the lamb shanks. What sort of lamb shanks are they? Plum and rosemary. Oh, plum. Ooh. Oh, that mm. sounds good. Mm. Oh, I like the sound of that. Sort of hard acid and a little bit of um, resinous herbs over the top. Ooh, that sounds really, really good. And, of course, you will always find a scone recipe in a CWA book. Am I correct? Uh, we've certainly got our CWA scone recipe in here. This is the one we bake at the Royal Melbourne Show. It would be a year without Christmas if we didn't. And, uh, and of mm-hmm. course, uh, if I can just stray in, as, uh, just to finish up, that there is no such thing or you certainly don't have the lemonade scones. <gasps> Oh no! You just, you just had a bit of a swear word there. Sorry, sorry, and I know it's the Sabbath as well. What have I, what have I done? Oh. I've taken the scones name in vain. Look, um, we're we're happy to see there is nothing like that 
may I just um, doff my lid, take off my hat if I was wearing them. I'm taking, there we go, headphones off and on just to salute the work of the CWA. This book is available everywhere, including Kmart and Target, um, the big shops. And how much is it? Thirty six ninety nine. If you're buying it from us, but I think you might see it at other places too. Well, um, look it up online. Uh, it is available. Pam, it's been an absolute delight and a pleasure to speak with you. And uh, who knows? We might see you at the uh, the Royal Melbourne Show. I know a lot of uh, a lot of Victorians will be enjoying the non lemonade scones that happen through there. They certainly will. <laughs> Keep our fingers crossed we're there. Thank you, Pam. Um, Enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Thank you, Cam. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Uh, John... It's late autumn in Melbourne, and you're um, and you're working really hard today. Yes, I'm on my own, unfortunately, but we'll get there. Customers um, are very happy to wait because they know they're going to get the best produce. Um, we're, we're cruising okay. Look at you going all glass half full on me. Well done, buddy. Um, but yeah, it is. It's uh, it's certainly got that feel. It's like a pregnant pause before. We move into the quiet month of June and, and winter and all those sort of things. How are you seeing that reflected in what we have and yeah, what do you reckon? Well, first of all, I'll tell you how I felt the change. Yesterday when we were driving home yeah. uh, about 4.30, I said to Joe, look, the days look a little bit darker already. So definitely the seasons have broken. Yes. Uh, it's that time of the year. Um, we haven't seen too much change or problems uh, yet. Uh, our local tomatoes will come to an end soon. I was just saying to the guy that just bought two kilo aromas for cooking um, that the that's the last of the local aromas and um, there may be a problem with getting uh, new season aromas from Queensland because of all the storms they've had. Um, you, you were saying they got washed out? Yeah, they got washed out. Well, you know how they had uh, a whole lot of rain and then it dried out and they got a whole lot more and um, even poor Canberra got clobbered more than Sydney got yeah. and Queensland got double of both so yeah. there you go um, we're still lucky we've got field capsicums, field eggplants um, beautiful yeah, eggplants. Still very very lucky we've still got field growing zucchini from Mildura yes. um, so not feeling it yet but changes will come there may be a shortage, there may not. Maybe South Australia and New South Wales will um, send us some stuff that we haven't got. Ooh, we can hope, yes. We can hope. And when, this is always a lucky country. Um, as I've said, always, we, if we don't find it in one place, we'll find it in another. Yes. And we always source the best, so we'll be right. I'm seeing something that we have a nice little <laughs> confluence here that we've got some beautiful radicchio, um, beautiful red lettuce, uh, and oranges across the way. So if you've got a little bit of Sicilian in you or a little bit of Southern Italian, you've got a great makings of what I think is a beautiful autumn salad. And does radicchio go into the winter? I can't remember. Yes, it does. It does. It, it's more... We've got it all year round, but it's better in winter because yeah. uh, it is more of a winter thing. But 
even during summer they've got varieties that produce quite well. Um, some of the heads that we've got weighing anything from 400 to 800 grams and wow. they're beautiful. You take them home and you peel off the outer leaves and eat them and keep going until you get to the middle. Um, and also there are pomegranates if you want to make a, a different salad. It's not for me but mum does. She breaks them open and eats them and then puts them in a salad as well. I love to... It's a great thing to have, for me personally, it's a great thing to have pomegranate around because it just adds such a little beautiful something. A, in the way they look, John, they look like rubies. I love the colour and I love the juice, but when I eat them and I crunch into the seed, it's like wheat for me and I don't like it. And it sort of feels like bulgar wheat a little bit, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have our problems. Yeah, well, you know, we get, we get, a, um, we can get over those things. Uh, are there things that uh, you've been looking forward to? Like, have uh, have you put any chestnuts on the barbecue yet? No, I've been dreaming of it, but it's it's got to happen this week because um, there's some lovely chestnuts around, and the price is not high anymore like it used to be once. Um, they used to start at twenty or more a kilo now. You can buy six, seven, eight dollars, ten dollars for big ones. Um, it's like in Sicily, there's such an abundance that yeah. in Sicily they don't even pick them up on Mount Etna anymore. Wow! And uh, and there's been cases through history where um, when medieval towns have been in siege, one of the last things that saves the locals is making chestnut flour. And surviving on that. Yeah, have you tried buying chestnut flour here? How expensive. No way. But (laughs) it makes the best castagnaccia, which is a chestnut flour cake. Say that again. Castagnaccia. Castagnaccia. Yeah, it's a really regal sounding name, isn't it? Either that or a terrible curse. No, if you go down to Kofia, they make it. Um, they won't give me the recipe. But what, so, is, what sort of is it? So you, what do you do? It's chestnut flour, yes, pine nuts, oh. and um, rosemary on top. Oh, oh yes, yeah, I, yes. And when you eat it, the, the the combinations are just so impressive. Oh my god! Um, I've got to find someone's grandmother and hold her down and tell her to give me the recipe. Yeah, and my god, it go well with a, a, a beautiful black coffee, huh? Oh, definitely, mate, definitely. Oh my and, god. and they're both memorable. So that's what we like. Yeah, you know, there's um, the place at the front here um, on Elizabeth Street. That's Kofia. Yeah, Kofia yeah. Kofia's my favourite there. That's, that's really, really good. Um, okay. I think maybe what we might do, because I'll let you in a little secret, folks. John is working alone today, and uh, he's very, very busy. So how about we just do pick of the market, and we might move on? All right. You brought me show and tell. So we've got some new season rubber here. It's very, very... Uh, young, it didn't like the reflective heat yesterday, so some of the leaves have gone yellow. Yep. But um, this is uh, an, an Italian uh, broccoli. It's a bitter. Uh, I like it boiled in plenty of water, and um, then with olive oil and black pepper and beside a steak. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people do it in a fry pan. Too yep. strong for me. Uh, this is very good for you. It's very high in iron. Again, as I said, it's a bitter, good for the gut. Yep. So um, I had a little mouthful last week. I'm going to take some home today, and we'll have a good feed tomorrow night. Yep. And these baby artichokes. Baby artichokes have started, guys. Come and have a look. Some of the old girls are already buying a kilo a week to eat fresh, cook and eat fresh. rather than put them under the oil. Wow. So that's not bad going. They're not hard to do. There are plenty of recipes out there on the internet, so I find them. Yeah, if you can work out a ratio to do a brine, you can do it. 
Yeah, we, we boil them in water with a little bit of vinegar and uh, that's all you've got to do. Yep. And if you see, just move up a little bit, Cam, because yep. we're standing behind the stall today rather than out in the sun because there isn't any. Yep. Um, this is a beautiful black Russian tomato, um, the width of an orange, got beautiful green and uh, reddish streaks on it. Looks a bit like a flattened tigerilla. Yeah, it does, yeah, but yeah. this is a soft skin sweet. Best tomato you'll ever eat. They're 12 bucks a kilo. Wow. We've got other tomatoes, 15. We've got good tomatoes from Doncaster, $4. Yes. They're a little bit affected from the uh, weather. They've got marks on them. The better ones are $7. I showed you one before. You know how we always say that God doesn't make mistakes with humans only. It does with the fruit as well, where we get yes. the bad shape. Yeah. This poor bugger's got sunburn on it. Wow. Sunburn. Can you believe it? So, um, and by looking at sunburn, instead of usually when a humans get sunburn, they go all red. When a tomato goes sun, gets sunburn, it goes all white. Yeah, the pigments have gone out of the skin. It's just they've uh, they've fled. Um, okay, last thing. What's for dinner tonight when you get over this day working by yourself here? When I'm dead tired on a Sunday night, just a quick plate of pasta, maybe some meat in a ragu. Yes. We whoop it up tomorrow night, mate. So I might be up and steak and potatoes or who knows it's up to the manager to do that or just bring home the good stuff La Dolce Vita La is Dolce, here definitely mate oh. and, and maybe a good coffee and cakes at the end sounds good now yeah. what was the name of that cake again La Castagnaccia. La Castagnaccia. I think that's right don't forget I'm made in Australia so <laughs> you know uh, some of these names are a little bit harder alright we'll look it up in your uh, Dr Googs Thank yeah. you, John. Thank, thank you, you for your uh, for that, and thank you for the uh, customers being so patient. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double one. Yeah. Stop playing that piano. Let's drink. Cheers. Cheers. It's really good guitar. <laughs> I never actually thought about that. Is, is, is that actually Jimmy playing, or is it just something you stitched up you on the cast? You stitched that up. You no, made it. I didn't do it. Well, maybe some, maybe Doctor Jeremy, maybe Gourmet Jeremy made that. Anyway, <laughs> a uh, a card from long, long ago. There we go. That's better. Uh, is bringing us to an event which is about to happen, and uh, representing for Good Beer Week, a week where, well, a time where we contemplate beautiful brews and the possibilities. We've got Luke Robertson. Thank you. For joining us in the studio. Thank you so much for having me. It's exciting to be here. Oh, it's exciting for us, believe me, buddy, because uh, you are our first legit, shall we say. We may have accidentally snuck someone in when we weren't supposed to. Yeah, we. I think I might have told you we had Sean from Maid and I came in pouring his vermouth and we found out you shouldn't have had him. (laughs) Uh, But you're legit and you're here. And can we just hear you open a beer, just 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 for us? There it is. Oh my God! There we go. Um, so here we are celebrating, and we're doing that in a sort of in a microwave because Good Beer Week is about a celebration of all things brewed, 
And uh, the crazy thing that I've just heard is that uh, it's 10 years. It is. 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it. Time flies when you're drinking good hooch, as my <laughs> mum would say. <laughs> it sure does. And we've been a lot of places in the last 10 years, so we're really excited yes. to still be here and still doing it after a horrific 2020. I know, I know. Uh, so just just bring us back, if you could. What happened last year? We just just forget everything. There were beer packs that went out to yeah, people. Yeah, we... We did bits and pieces. Yes. Uh, some venues did things. It was all a little bit oh, chaotic. Wow. Yeah. Anyone that's ever done a, a virtual event knows how, how hard it is to kind of get people engaged and get the beers out. So. Luke, you're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> yes, no, you'd never do that. Uh, so, yeah, we're so excited to be back out in venues and supporting the venues. They, yeah. miss, they missed us as much as we miss them. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful mutual thing. So, uh, good beer week. Well, if, just quickly, we do have a bit of time. Okay. What was the genesis of Good Beer Week? How did it come together? It started, uh, people, every year there's the International Beer Awards here in Australia, That's in right. Melbourne. Yes. Uh, and then after that would always be a big party. Yes. And then the next morning, the party would kind of still be lingering <laughs> around the, the beer deluxe there, and so they'd cook them breakfast. And then a few people got together and went, what if we made this a bit more official? Yeah. What, what, said, what if we kept drinking, you mean? <laughs> And while we've got everyone in town, let's yes. uh, let's have a big celebration. And so, you know, they sketched it out on napkins uh, at Beer Deluxe, and then it became became what we know now. Over over breakfast beers. Yeah. <laughs> what is a good breakfast beer? Oh, a Corona? No. <laughs> Corona's a good dessert beer, as someone actually said. You can just have it with anything because it's a beer you don't have to think about. Absolutely. Lager, with- lager with dessert. Yeah. It's one of my favourite things. Is a, is a thing. And this is one of the things this brings us to. First of all, uh, what's in our glass? What did you pour uh, us? We've got the Beechworth Pale Ale. Yes. Uh, classic from Bridge Road Brewers uh, up there in Beechworth. Yes. Uh, one of our festival breweries. We, we spoke to the guys at Beechworth Brewers. That was the High, Mount, uh, High Mountain Hop Fest. High Country Hop. High Country yep. Hop Fest, yes, um, where you were using uh, fresh... Fresh hops for the for fresh brews. Yeah, absolutely. And they sponsor one of our active beers programs. So we've got a lot of uh, events. We're getting people out and about, mm. and they're doing the the kind of presenting that along with us. So yep. it's really cool to have them on board doing that. And beer and food. I think that's that's one of the the great um, beauties and um, realizations over the years is what a great match beer and food can be and i've got an event that i want to plug which i'm going to be a part of and uh yeah over to you that's sort of like a just a thing to riff on really beer and food yeah um beer goes incredibly well with all sorts of food uh there's so many different flavors you can achieve in beer uh the ones i've brought along are uh beechworth pale which is a kind of a you know a bit hoppier a little bit more bitter than than your lagers uh, I've got a sour beer, which we're going to drink uh, in a second as well. That's, uh, that's been a, a great revelation. Yep, Stomping Ground Passion Fruit Smash. Yes. And I've got a classic stout from Boat Rocket. Uh, oh, wow. All of those beers you could put with a multitude of, of foods and yes. have a really interesting time. And I'm a big fan of just mixing it up, starting with a dark beer, finishing on a lager. Yes. Doing uh, whatever you think is fun. Starting with a dark beer, ending on a lager. You go the other way. Dark beer with oysters. Yeah. It's a classic oh. pairing. Yes. And then finish with, uh, you know, light fruit and a nice fresh lager. Yeah. 
and you know, keep the night fresh. And you've even there's what a guest, Matt. I mean, look, you've baked there, for there's us. Baked treats. I mean, did you know the CWA were going to come on, and you thought I will do my own baking? Thank you. I didn't know that until you mentioned it. But uh, mm. cheese scones are a bit of a favourite in the Good Beer Week office, and I thought if we're yes. going to drink some beer and talk about food. I've got two variations on cheese scone for you. I've yes. got a kimchi cheese scone. You've taken it to a hipster high. Absolutely. That's what I do. <laughs> you have. <laughs> it's my brand, basically. Go on. Uh, and cacio e pepe scones. Cacio pepe scones. Yep. For those that might have been born under a rock and haven't uh, heard about cacio e pepe, which I'm sure was trending on Instagram there for a while, mm. um, let's start with that. What, what is, uh, what's cacio e pepe? It's, uh, oh, you're probably not better than me. It's part Pepper, pasta, yeah, it's a cheese, classic pasta dish. Yeah. I've tried making it. It's so hard to make. I've never, I've never nailed it. Really? Uh, no, never. It's just a bit of feel. It's sort of like jazz. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the jazz in me. Yeah. Um, Maybe but just playing the wrong music. <laughs> there's a great event. Uh, this was inspired by one of our events uh, at Marameo. Yes. yes. Uh, used to be Sati, and they're doing a cacio pepe and truffle paired with the sour beer. Oh. And I saw that and went, "That sounds Hello. amazing." Uh, so let's try and recreate that yes. with a scone and a beer. <laughs> Encased in flour. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, let's... It, uh... I mean, if you want to grab the kimchi one with this one, I think... Which one? The kimchi on this side. Because uh, these, these sort of hoppier and more bitter beers have... Oh, they feel nice and light. Here you go, Matt. A little bit more robust flavour. Uh, and you <laughs> put them with something a little bit spicy and a little bit funky from the kimchi. And you've got a... You should have all sorts this of... This is nice and tender. Yeah. Nice and tender really scone. Good. It was a bit of an experiment. Oh, wow. It smells good. Smell that, man. Tell me, what do you, what do you smell? It is it is cheese gone, and and with the kimchi in the back, there is a little yeah, it's a little bit of funkiness. I yeah, tasted yet. Funky scone. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Should be a new eighties hit. Yeah, take me to funky scone. So again, what are we drinking with it? We've got the, the Beechworth Pale. Yep, from Bridge Road. So you, those kind of fruit floral notes, a little bit of malt there, will just bring it all together in your palate. It's going to be a party. Oh wow! Oh, that's good. Yeah, that um, that really does work, and there are going to be a lot of different um, events. How many events are uh, across the board? More than two hundred this year. Well, uh, normally we have more than more than three hundred, but obviously some venues are a little bit reluctant, which is absolutely fine. How do uh, people find out? How do they find it? Mm. Goodbeerweek.com.au. It's kind of pretty self-evident, right. but I just thought I'd Google say it. This no. is one of the things <laughs> you, you have to say and say to people, how do I find out about it? It's like it's in what we were talking about. Sign yeah. up to the mailing list as well. We're always sending out all the all the great events yes. to highlight you know, different parts of the, the program. Yes. Can I talk about one that I'm in, involved in and then I'll Absolutely. allow you to, to move on to uh, 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 your favourite things? I'm going to be at uh, the Arbury. Uh, for Good Beer Kitchen. That's Saturday the 15th of May. And uh, I can't believe it. This has been in its eighth year. Wow. I'm pretty sure I've been there for... I'm pretty sure it's every one of them. But um, the idea is that you pair a brewer with a chef and it's they make the match. And uh, you get to try these matches by the side of the arrow. It's a beautiful place to do it. This year, what have we got? Pirate Life Brewing, uh, Mountain Goat are going to be there. Wolf of the Win- Willows, old Scotty, yeah, from Wolf of the Willows, love him. Uh, chefs uh, Nick Bennett, uh, he's from the Arbury, cooks amazingly. James Gibson also from the Arbury. Arbury. Rene Trudeau, who I haven't seen for ages, uh, from Little Latin Lucy. Looking forward to seeing her and um, Oliver Hagen, which will be kind of interesting from Hagen's 
organic butchers. So, yeah, it's happening on the 15th. What about your favourite things? Oh, I've got a whole stack. Yeah, how, how long well, have I got? Uh, 12.53 <laughs> here on 3 RFM. You're listening to Eat It. We've got Luke from Good Beer Week, and he's going to talk about some of his favourite events. So there's a really good one with the Bridge Road that we're drinking now. Uh, they're doing a surfing event with the Urban Surf, the surf park out at Tullow Marine. Yeah. Uh, you can do an hour of surfing with them. You can, when you finish up, there'll be some Bridge Road beers and food from Three Blue Ducks out there as well. To take your rashy off and... Straight out of the rip, surf. Rip, a, rip, the, <laughs> rip the scab off a tinny. Yeah, uh, mm. and that's it's $135. So it's mm. a really good value for that place because I... You know, it's expensive. It's a lot of work that's gone into urban surf, and yes. you get to go out there and do a fun event with it. So mm-hmm. that's one that I think is going to be really fun. It's uh, a bit different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what I think that's what we really like in the program, taking beer to places that it doesn't normally go to. Yes. Um, we've got a full guide of active programs, so check that out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, get moving. You can run around the tan, and they'll give you a, a can. <laughs> Is the, uh, is the rhyme? <laughs> the can on the on the tan. Yep. So every lap you do of the tan, uh, you get a tinny. The, yeah, you get a tinny. Hey, Not to go. drink on the spot. Good uh, on you. Drink afterwards. I slap you on the back. <laughs> hey. Uh, that's got to be a lot of fun. I think people are going to be out there moving, and, and then you can leave with a six pack. What's my motivation? Another tinny. <laughs> Come on, do another lap. It's the donkey and carrot just summed up. It perfectly. is, isn't it? Beautiful. <laughs> Uh, what sort of tinnies are they going to be given, do you know? It'll be from Beechworth. Oh, Bridge awesome. Road, sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, so that'll be really cool. Yes. Um, talking about the Maramayo one, which I mentioned, uh, the menu for that looks really interesting, really fun. They're teaming up with Colonial, Colonial Brewery. Yes. Uh, there's going to be sour beer. There's going to be some barrel-aged porters, mm-hmm. uh, all sorts of fun stuff. Black truffles are involved, so yes. you can't really go wrong. Uh, Stone and Wood and Pope Joan is going to be a really fun one oh, in the city there. There's an... And Pope Joan. Okay, yep, yes. Yep. Um, with And Forest for the Trees, which is part of Stone and Wood, they do the kind of Saison and the, the funkier, more wild ferment stuff. Yes. Uh, so them, them and Pope Joan's going to be a real fun one. That is uh, 17th of May on the Monday there. Um, what else have we got? Oh, Mrs. Palmer's. I, I want to highlight them. They've been with us for 10 years. They yep. were one of the first venues to sign on. Mm-hmm. They're doing an event, uh, a special menu for the week where it's all Victorian cheeses. Yes. Uh, on their Palmers. They've always celebrated local beer well before anyone else did. Yes. Um, 15 years ago, they were just doing all Victorian beers, and now they're, they're going to do all Victorian cheeses. So we, we really love having them on board. Yeah, big round of applause. For well, I have a question. Yes. What about the Copper Pot? Is the Copper Pot doing a, a beer dinner this year? No, no, they aren't involved this year. Because I remember one of the – I think I was saying to you, one of the great revelations, of, of, it was like this uh, epiphany. It really was. I'm on the road to Damascus with a tinny. No, I was at um, the Copper Pot for a beer dinner. A person I was with next to me couldn't drink beer, so they had wine, I had beer, and each time the actually the beer was a better pairing. Great, and it was it was an amazing revelation, and especially uh, beer with cheese mm. it was just in May. Oh, it was incredible. Well. Uh, um- Quickly, if you finish your drink, I'll give you a quick pour of the sour and we'll do the pepper one. Okay. And then we've got some beer and cheese, so uh, mm-hmm. I'll hurry you along. Um, Thank you. You've done this radio before, haven't you? I can tell. <laughs> you, you're better than, uh, than us at this, I think, man. 
There we go. Matt's broken away from the uh, the the microphone there, and he's in the front. There we go. Yes, yes, because do you like our COVID shields? Yeah, they're great. Uh, passion fruit smash from Stomping Ground out of Collingwood. These are galaxy hops. Uh, no, this is straight passion fruit. This is a soured beer. Oh, this is just yep. this is passion fruit. So they do a series. See, I was trying to show off there. <laughs> Damn. Uh, they do a series of, of soured beers, kettle sour beers, which uh, they sour before oh, they boil. You can really smell it on the nose. Um, it'll come across kind of maybe yogurty, um, but but really fresh and bright, passion fruity. Uh, really clean on the palate. It's, it smells like ski passion fruit yogurt, mm. old school. I was going to say it's just a classic passion yeah. fruit mm. aroma. It's like a, it's like an adult passiona. Mm. On the Whoa! Nose. And then the acid really hits you. It'll blast your palate apart. So mm. if you want to grab one of those peppery scones, uh, they're cut in half there on the this top. One? Yep, this side. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that'll really uh, the pepper and the the fruit will just kind of really just bring your palate. It'll zing your palate all over the place. Uh, I don't know if it'll work. But this is another great scone here. Thank you. Mm. Uh, you got some good rise off this one. <laughs> oh, I'm really getting the pepper. So mm. you've done. This is a cacio pepe scone. Yep. Um, I don't think this is going to be in the CWA cookbook, but it is valid. So lots of good cracked pepper mm-hmm. that you've done from a pepper yep. mill yep. because you can actually smell it. Absolutely. Um, because if you buy cracked pepper. From a supermarket, you just don't care about food. So I would say just don't buy that. The cheese comes through really well too. Mm. And a little bit of the sour beer, and you're going to have a bit of an explosion in your mouth of flavour. Everything's very happy. That's that's all sitting really, really well. So who would have thought it? A scone. Uh, first of all, we've, uh, we've lots of pepper in it and cheese. Cheese scones aren't that new. Uh, but... This this is really really good. Mm. You hear that music? Yes. That unfortunately no, means no. that our time <laughs> is coming to an end. So let's just say again, good beer week happens from uh, May fourteen to twenty three, all over Melbourne and Victoria. Yep. And uh, again, one of your favourite things. Are you hosting any events yourself? Oh, I've got a live podcast Tuesday well, night at the Catfish. Yeah. Uh, get along to that. It's always a bit fun. Always a bit chaotic. We've got some stand-in brewers from New Zealand. Yes. Uh, who can't probably won't be here, so we'll get some friends in and, and have a bit of a party. And uh, and you do other podcasts as well. You can find me at aleofatime.com. Ale of a time. That was it. It was a, it was a very very good turn of phrase. Don't forget, I'm going to say it one more time because I'm very much looking forward to it, the 15th at the Arbury. Go to the Arbury website if you want to book in for that. Can't wait to see my peeps there. Matty? Cameron? What do you reckon? This is great. I'm not normally a massive sour beer drink, but the passion fruit is amazing. It actually works really well. The scones give it, like, the base, the Yeah, mm, and the, uh, the great thing is off-air, we're going to get into this beautiful piece of Roquefort with a dark beer, and that's going to be great. Thanks Exciting. for coming in, Luke. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for Good Beer Week. We have to get out of here. Matt, thank you. Thank you, Cam. See still, you this week. Still here on Next on Triple R. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 